This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 553 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is the Sunday Night Fireside Chat with your host, Paul Spohr, along with Nick Pollock. Nick, what's up, man? What is happening? I'm really excited to be doing this once again. This is, what, our fourth straight week, Spohr? Fourth straight, man. We're sticking oh, yeah. with it. Um, maybe we'll do one live soon when we're, you know, mm. about a month and a half from now, about five, six weeks from now. That's going to be awesome. We'll be in Denver together, and so uh, it'll be fun. But yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. We're actually doing something a little bit different again. The, the crux of this was like hyper focus and it's it still is um, and and hyper focus and thematic a lot of t- most of the time I think we'll be diving in on one particular pitcher uh, but I recently updated my starting pitcher rankings we got multiple people on Twitter saying well why don't we why don't y'all talk about the disputes that you guys have the big differences and I think that's a pretty good idea and it yeah, does it allow us fine. to again still hyper focus on a handful of guys. Um, including revisiting a couple that we've talked about before, kind of get a check-in. Then we'll close with some final thoughts. And I've got something a little bit special for Nick. He actually doesn't know about it. He's scared of it. I'm, I don't think he should be. I'm just excited. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get into that. So let's go ahead and start. So for those that don't know, first off, I don't know what you're doing, but please change this. I'm being 100% serious. If you're not at thepitcherlist.com every Monday for the updated list, I, I, I don't know. Nick updates his list every Monday. And when I call him a psychotic person for it, I mean that <laughs> in the nicest way possible because it's awesome that he does it. It would give me way too much anxiety. Oh, it gives and, me so much anxiety. So, you know, just and, power through it. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are like, dude, it's just ranking. Po- Shut the hell up. <laughs> but first off, you can anticipate comments. And I never am going to rank based off of what the comics that, that I'm going to get. You know, if people are going to starkly disagree with something, fine. We'll, we'll we'll discuss it in the comments. But like, it's it can just your feeling can change too. Even if you don't want to change the ranking, you can watch. You put out a ranking on a Tuesday morning. You watch five of the guys on the rankings pitch that night, and you're like, damn it, I should have had him 15 spots higher. I should have had him off the damn list. I should have this guy as a you know spot start. You know, it, it just. And obviously, you can't overreact to every start. Uh, but how how do you do? It? What is your process to go week to week? Because the best I think I'm going to be able to do is like a a three four week interval uh, in, in between there, which I'm going to commit to this year. I didn't really update them that much last year, but I'm going to commit to that. But three to four weeks is really all I can do. But you're out there killing it uh, every every week. Yeah. So the the article I do every day on the site, the SP Roundup, where I 
I talk about every starter from the night before is kind of practice for the list. Absolutely. Because I'm essentially just, you know, I have to talk about everybody through the week anyway. So when I get to the list, I pretty much, uh, I reread the SP roundups and I have like a little notepad. I just take notes on things as I go through the week just to make sure I didn't miss stuff. And then I have a fun uh, tool inside of inside of our WordPress where I can just drag and drop guys. And oftentimes I, you know, I'm writing things like, okay, I need to lower guys. And I just throw them. I don't actually say I'm going to lower them like three spots or so. I just say, okay, he's got to go lower. He's got to go lower. And eventually I go then from the top and then I also go from the bottom and then they eventually sandwich in the middle to get it done. But uh, I mean, I can tell you right now, there are many times where I'm just staring at it and I have to stand up and leave and yeah. then come back. And it's incredibly frustrating because, you know, you're debating between two guys and there yes. are a hundred of these. And I'm like, OK, maybe I should put Fernando Romero one spot higher. No, wait, but I don't know the Walker. And then it's just it, it kills. me. No, I again, I, t- I totally get it. And. You know, the, the one of the main reasons that I did the mid-May update after doing the May rankings was because I, I know I didn't, you know, deep dive into all 130 people that were ranked. And you know that you don't. You, but the, the beauty with the pitcher roundup is that you are able to maybe not deep dive, but at least have an idea. You're getting an idea every day of the flow of a player season. And so you do have that. If you weren't doing the roundup every day, I, I you might spontaneously combust by doing right, exactly, a, a list yep. every week. So, uh, okay. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to talk about uh, three guys that Nick's a lot higher on, uh, three guys that Paul's a lot higher on. Myself, don't refer to yourself in third person. Don't be a douche. And then, uh, and then the final thoughts here. So let's start with yours. Yeah. So I, I have I have Mikolas at 28, and you have him at 40. Yes. I think when it's uh, when it's you know, whoever's higher can start by saying, you know, this is kind of what I like mm-hmm. since they're going to be the more positive ones. So so take it away with like Mr. Miles. That's Mikolas. Is it is that the right way, by the way? Cause I'm, I'm not qu- questioning and saying that you're wrong. I'm, I'm saying because I'm not entirely sure. And I personally go Mikolas, Michaelis. I, I, I vary because I don't know, which I hate being in. I want to know the right way. Well, I am. <laughs> my real name is Nicholas. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, but Nikolas was always kind of a thing that we would say. So I like the idea that it's Mikolas because it just okay. reminds me of that. So that's why I go with it. I okay. don't think announcers can decide either. Either because I've heard Michaelis, Michaelis, yeah. Mikolas, so, Mikolas. I have heard like four or five variations. If somebody has something that is set, and by the way, I'll go with baseball reference here right now. It says Michaelis, M Y K O H L A H S. If so, if that's 100 percent cool, but if anybody has anything on that, I legitimately do care. I know like I might sound like I'm being sarcastic, but I hate when I have names wrong. I mean, so I am very interested. I'm very famous for mispronouncing names all the time, especially like <laughs> Patreon supporters. It's a joke at this point. It's it, it is it's a meme on your <laughs> show for sure, for sure. All right, so let's talk uh, about the uh, the the import, the the re-import, right? Because right, so obviously he was here, he was terrible. Goes over to Japan, and Miles Mikolas finds something and comes back pretty nicely. Yeah, well, he's pumping 93-97 with his four-seamer. It has about a 60% zone rate. Actually, a lot of his pitchers have, pitches have a 60% zone rate. Two-seamer as well. Curveball's 57%. Uh, oh, he just, yeah, he, he's pumping a lot of strikes, and it's great. And I know the the biggest hit on Mikolas, or Michaelis, Sorry, uh, is his low strikeout rate. I'm not even sure, right? That's just the baseball <laughs> reference. We'll go with it right now, Michael. Is. It's, it's a low strikeout rate, and I get that. And I it's I think it's very akin to Michael Fulmer, though. 
uh, where Fulmer for a long time had a low strikeout rate. We've actually seen recently 28% strikeout rate with Fulmer in his last five starts when he started mm-hmm. using that slider better. And I see with Michaelis that same repertoire of having pitches that he confidently throws for strikes. Curveballs are so good landing in the zone. Um, he does a great job also of getting his four seamers inside uh, to right-handers and I'm sorry, two seamer inside to right-handers and a bit elevated with his four seamer. He's a little too middle, but nevertheless, it's elevated enough. And uh, and that slider actually has a 16% whiff rate and near a 50% zone rate on its own right. But I, I really think that that slider is going to turn into more of a weapon and less so of a weak contact uh, kind of approach overall. He's going to try and get to that slider more often. Uh, the there are a couple knocks. Obviously, it's you know twenty eight. I think we both know that even once you really get out to the like top fifteen, sixteen, it gets kind of messy already. Yeah. Uh, but at twenty eight, there are some knocks. One obviously is that strikeout rate as mentioned, but the left on base rate about eighty four percent isn't great. Uh, he's faced weak teams his last six. I mean, he has had a great run last six. One point six ERA, one WHIP, awesome. Six point six IPS. Uh, it's been incredible this year. Yeah. One one point oh five for Michaelis. Yeah, fantastic. Last six starts have been against the Reds twice and the Padres and the Twins and the Pirates and the Cubs. Not okay. the toughest. But schedule. that's his division. You know, they, right. he's going to keep facing exactly. them. So that's, no, that's exactly. That's good. I uh, the the big thing to me is that his <laughs> this really t- says a lot. His X stats are polarizing. So he has a eight point seven percent VH rate. That's value hit. Those are the times when it's you know they they hit the ball and it's going to be a hit. Uh, most of the time, that should be closer to five. So eight point seven is not very good at all. But okay. his poor hit rate—that's when he induces really bad contact. The perimeter are always outs—is super high, twenty-eight percent, and that's normally like a twenty-two. And if we see under twenty, we get scared. Twenty-four is really good. So twenty-eight is excellent. That fits and, when you think about it. Somebody who lives yeah. in the zone that much, right? So I kind of uh, trust it, this. Go ahead. I, I trust that he is. Uh, better at inducing poor contact than he is allowing strong contact. I'm willing to take a 28% pH rate with that VH of that high value hit rate. I think that value hit rate should come down. And I also do see a guy who isn't getting himself in trouble with a high walk rate and has definitely potential to improve on that sub 20% K rate. I can see that being 23% or so. I think that's, Oh wow. That'd be a really nice jump. Um, I guarantee the biggest thing that stood out to a large majority of the listeners that maybe aren't familiar with Michaelis uh, was when you mentioned his velocity. He sits 94-2. I think he's he was painted as a bit of a soft tosser coming back. Right. And I'm not entirely sure why because he was 93-94 when he was here before with the Padres and the Rangers. So, I, I again, I'm not entirely sure why there's this perception. Maybe it's my own. Maybe I'm projecting some some of the stuff that I thought onto everyone else, but I thought he was kind of painted as this low 90s sort of soft tosser, and I think the walk rate does that. Sure. Like I, it, I think, I think people the, comparisons, the, things. the comparisons to Maeda, I think, are what also brought in the, the velocity and uh, assumption. I think that was that. Yeah, and, you know, the easiest – 
comparison for me was the one that that really uh, stood out and might have also influenced it though too, Colby Lewis, because Colby Lewis was a lighter thrower and he did sit high 80s, low 90s, and so maybe that was where that uh, that uh, comparison got off the rails a bit, and and we should have been like, wait a minute, this is not exactly the same. He throws harder. He did learn some of the same stuff, but uh, Michaelis is definitely better there. You know. You really cut a leg out from me when you uh, when you brought up Michael Fulmer. You, you hit my weak spot there because <laughs> I have to defend Fulmer all the time. And I'm going to sound like an arrogant twat when I say this, but I'm not really trying to be. Whenever I hear somebody say, like, what is the deal with Fulmer? Like, why do you have Fulmer? And they are just incredulous that he's up as high as I have him, which is usually in the top 30. I'm fairly certain they've never seen him pitch because I don't know how you could watch Fulmer pitch and not be like, this guy is at least – a top 35, top 40 guy. Right. And I have, you know, I'm on the high end of that because he is a stud when he's out there and, you know, he gets railed every once, you know, gets knocked around every once in a while, Fulmer can. But for the most part, he's got great stuff. We are seeing a bigger strikeout jump here. I think that's still going to be my biggest pushback, though, even though you acknowledged it and, and you talked about how that slider could bring Michaelis some more strikeouts. We aren't seeing a swinging strike rate that currently portends more strikeouts, but that can definitely change. I just wonder if he lives in the zone this much, what it like, have you ever run a correlation uh, or, or just kind of looked at the general numbers of how high of a zone rate you can have versus the, the, the um, strikeout rate along with it? Like, don't you have to leave the zone a bit more to get those, those chases and whiffs or, or are they well, not? Sure. I mean, but still so think about this way though. If you have a 60% zone rate, that's still 40% of the pitches out of the zone. That's true. That's true. That's a, that, that's a good call. Uh, for sure. So, you know, he, he is interesting to me and I actually felt like, feel like, you know, I, I, I like him at, at my ranking. This is one of those where it's like, I like him. You love him as opposed right. to me wanting to say poke holes in him because I'm fully in, uh, I was comfortable with people investing. And I said, you know, when, when he had the bad spring training starts, it was an absolute buying opportunity because the price went down further and it already wasn't high. So right. I thought, you know what's the worst that he's going to do? He'll, he'll he might he might put a uh, you know three innings seven earned on you April 9th or something, and then you just run away from it. But I liked I liked going for him. So again, uh, a light disagreement here, just in terms of the the love of Michaelis, as opposed to a a you you like I dislike sort of uh, difference between between us with Michaelis. So let's move on uh, to the next guy here, Eduardo Rodriguez. We have a 30 spot difference. Now, this one is a little bit more because of the, the zone that it's in. You're at 35. I'm at 65. So you are more of all formats and I'm more of the yeah spot start. I don't know. Don't don't pin too many hopes onto Eduardo Rodriguez. So let's talk a little bit about about him. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, the, the lefty over in Boston. What are you seeing here? Because you're definitely not alone in, in liking him. Right. I, I think the better days are coming for Eduardo. It, they've been definitely Including been today, s- by the way. Get uh, huge five and two thirds scoreless, seven strikeouts, no walks. So big day today. Wrong day to be talking about how I don't <laughs> like Eduardo Rodriguez. But I, uh, but there have been a lot of times also with Eduardo that his games just haven't gone his way, and it's mm-hmm. been really frustrating to watch it. Just because you see a guy that's performing better than he is, um, and I wish I could give you more hard evidence about that. But definitely go back and watch some of the starts if you can with Eduardo, and you'll understand this was like bad weather, or maybe it's just a really tough opponent or stuff like that. It's just you always felt that he had it and just never had the opportunity to really show it. Uh, his Sierra is three fifty seven because of a one forty nine home run per nine that I do think should come down. I do know that he has like a one twenty. 
Well, he's a yeah, 120 he always home allows run. homers. Well, that's fine, but that's still a, a significant increase from previous years that we've seen. I do it's think not, they should though. come down a bit. I mean, that's what this year it doesn't take league average. This year sure. it does does say that hey, this probably should be a little bit lower. Uh, I yeah, I'm not sure that 125 from last year is so different from from 149. Though it, it could come back down to it, but it, how many homers are we thinking that saves? I mean, I, I think that it does make a difference in the you know four six eight ERA that we're seeing right now. That's what it's I'm one at. right now though. It's like basically one homer. If you if you took off one homer for Eduardo Rodriguez, it would put him down to a one two seven mark. Well, he's only had 42 innings pitched, so what kind of homer was that? A three run shot, then that actually makes a difference. I mean, you can say it was that, <laughs> but whatever. I mean, that uh, or as they take a solo look, shot look, out well, too. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a home run per nine that should be a little bit lower. Okay, <laughs> yeah, he's a home run guy. Is my my thing. Here's yeah, the thing. We we, we did yeah. go ahead. I, I'll let you go, and then I'll because we did pre-talk about this one, so we already kind of know where we're going on right. Eduardo specifically. I, I don't necessarily actually disagree with you on your point. I uh, but his whiff rate is going up 12.3% this year. That's impressive. I, I think also he added a cutter that has had some success. And I remember seeing multiple starts where he had that locked in and it was really nice coming inside to right-handers. Uh, it's just a, a very nice addition to that. So repertoire is changed up is always that massive whiff pitch. It's still there over 20% rates. And he has a slider that he's now confident throwing for strikes as well. Um, while also, of course, elevating four seamers, which we always like to see these days, mm-hmm. I, I really just think he has the the tools to. He also, oh yeah, he also increases his own rate on that pitch a lot. Um, so which the, one? The cutter, uh, four seamer, fast, fastball. Yeah, that's that's a big deal. So that's huge you keep, thing you know, him, yeah, keep that nine percent walk rate. I, I can live with that. With the strikeouts that Eduardo Rodriguez can get, a nine percent walk rate is not going to be the end of the world. Right. I mean, it's also twenty eight percent plus K rate so far this year that I think is somewhat sustainable, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. So you said 26 last year. So I agree. Right. And then, and, and that walk rate 9%, I from what I've seen of him, I really do believe that he's more like an 8% guy. Uh, so I, I, I like that combination of caper walk. I don't buy that. He is a 1.5 home run per nine guy as much as you want to push on that. Uh, and I, I think that that turns into a top 40 starter to me. The push is that he's fine. He's a one three, one two five, and it's not that different. Like there, there is no significant home run uh, suppression forthcoming based on anything we've seen from Eduardo Rodriguez. If you just look at the historicals, he was at one two five last year, one three five the year before, with a an eleven and a half, twelve percent sort of homer to fly ball ratio. He's at one fifty, one point five right now with a fourteen percent. So, you know, again, back off a homer from what he's done this year, it it does something, but it doesn't turn him in from a 468 pitcher to a 368 pitcher. And I think to be a top 40 guy, you got to be like you got to be in the mid threes. Well, I mean, I'm saying there are like a lot of things that bring it down. That is I mean, that is a small difference moving forward. It's part of a larger pile. It's an insignificant difference is my point. I, I, I grant that he's probably not a 1-5 the rest of the way. I'm, I'm telling you the regression back to it does not change the outlook. Um, where we really need – you know, I, I focused on the obvious part here, which is why I have him down a little bit, is the health. Is, and it continues to be the lower half injuries. And since it is sort of a chronic situation, that is what makes me a little bit more pessimistic. If it was uh, you know, different injuries that weren't necessarily piling on top of each other as, as the same thing – um, I would, I think I'd be a little bit more 
uh, lenient with it because I love to bet on skills when health is really the missing ingredient. That's one of my main fantasy baseball mantras, if you will. Um, and he certainly has skills. I like Eduardo Rodriguez's skills. I think right now the big thing for me is that I do believe that he is, you know, uh, as far as like fantasy starters go, he is a below average home run guy. And so it puts the onus on the strikeouts to maintain and uh, how long can you really rely on him? So that's where I came out at, at 65. Let me see who he's, who he's around here. At 65, I've got Eduardo Rodriguez, Jake Junis, and Jake Odorizzi sandwiching him. You go up, let's say, like 10 ranks, and that's Caleb Smith. What? I was, I was cringing at Junis and Odorizzi sandwiching him. That just seems wrong to me. Yeah, I mean, but but I will I will I mean I was saying this before I like, do concede that I am not I am not baking in the injury risk enough in my ranking. Yeah, and you know he's had a sub four ERA once, and he does have four hundred eight innings too. So like with Eduardo Rodriguez, you know, again I, I I do like him. I do consider myself a fan. I was betting on him big time in, in these early years when when the injuries uh, were, were were happening there, and I do like the strikeout upside. I thought we saw that upside. Uh, in his stuff, by the way, if you want to talk about somebody, you know, the way we do about Fulmer and 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 Michaelis about, you know, their strikeouts could come up even if it's not in the numbers. Eduardo Rodriguez was somebody you could watch in 2015. You say there's better strikeout rate here than 19 percent, even with an 8 percent swinging strike rate. The, the raw stuff is there and he's completely developed uh, into a strikeout guy. So I, I grant that. But we're putting a lot of burden on the 7.4 hit nine to, to last. The 219 average is is 20 points. You know he is good at keeping an average down 239 the last two years, but he's he's got 20 points better than that this year. Uh, kind of he has to maintain that I think, and bring the homers down uh, to really get anywhere near that Sierra and actually get under four. So I just don't see him as as kind of like a game changer. And I think at at 35, you're looking for somebody to kind of move the needle a bit more. Sure. I I mean. I, I will give you the the injury risk, and I think that does dictate outside of the top forty. I do believe in the skills, though. Seven point uh, seven point five hit per nine, I think, is kind of believable a bit here. He's always he's thirty percent hard contact this year, and he's a career thirty percent guy, even as low as twenty seven percent, and well twenty eight percent in two thousand sixteen. What's what's uh, average for starter hard contact? Let me, let me hard contact is normally around thirty one, thirty two, from what I understand. Uh, if it's like underneath thirty percent, it's kind of like the threshold of when I start saying, "Whoa, this is good," or and then okay. it gets closer to thirty four, thirty five. I'm like, "Uh oh, that's, this might indicate something." So if okay, it's like, 30, yeah, thirty is, is yeah, thirty five for just starters. Obviously, fan, the fantasy pool is probably even better. So if you see league average is thirty five, the starter fantasy the fantasy starter pool is probably closer to like thirty three, thirty two. So being thirty is still that's a positive right. for sure. And I also think that. Eduardo Rodriguez is pitching better than I've ever seen him this season. So to necessarily look at past performance and say, well, this is the kind of thing that I have, I do, I really do think that this is actually a better iteration of him. And it's um, still only netted a 413 ERA, though. That he took down today. This is one of the best he's ever pitched, and it's still only netted a 413 ERA. Well, right, but I do think that, again, that 357 Sierra is closer to that. That's what I'm trying to get at. I think that that does actually show off the the actual skills that he has been uh, exhibiting. Okay, well we'll see. We'll, we'll see on him again. The, the the health is my biggest concern with Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. I absolutely can see a skills path there. Um, that division 
also exacerbates the potential home run issue and 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 puts a little concern there too. But I I, I get it skills wise for sure. All right, next up is uh, Jake Arrieta on on your side there, and yeah, go ahead because I just this I'm not is, seeing. It. I okay, I go back and forth on Jake Arrieta all the time, and. <laughs> on one side, I've been you know I've been saying for ages like look he doesn't have his slider anymore. That was 2015 Jake Arrieta, and mm-hmm. until we ever see his slider or cutter slider whatever you want to call it back in its true form, he's not going to arrive and those strikeouts won't be there. Yeah, he has a 15.6 percent carry, which is not very good. It's, it's horrific. But here's the thing: this is this is the thing that has made me so undecided about this and. Just so we're clear here, where do I have Ariad and where do you have him? Just so we have the table set. I have him at 30. You have him at 50. I when we mm-hmm. when I was I'm making these lists, I'm thinking a lot about what are like so, what are some of the guys that have the real stability in the top 40. And I think that's part of the reason why I have Michaelis a little higher than you do because he has been very stable. I'm looking at my other 30 guys. We have we have Darvish who hasn't been so stable. We have. Alex Wood, that I don't really know if we can really trust his command. Jose Barrios has been back and forth a bit. Uh, so David Price is in there. And I am seeing Arietta, a guy who's had a sub-3 ERA easily this year, 1.14 uh, whip, with some of the best hard contact mitigation I've seen. I think he actually has the lowest hard contact of any. I can believe it. It's at 22%. 21. I can I can believe crazy. it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's great. so good. And, and to me, all of a sudden, I'm seeing... Okay, it's possible. Like anyone who watches Jake Arrieta knows that he gets a ton of movement on his sinker. It is yep. absurdly good, and that's that's the heart of that low hard contact rate. And he's using it more often. He's he's turning it as his pitch now, as opposed to trying to use uh, trying to use some four seamers. He's up to sixty three percent of of sinkers this year. He's pretty much knocked away his four seamer. He used to be this. Okay, I need to throw my my sliders a lot. I need to use my curveballs. He's it's not really working. He hasn't found that secondary pitch you really trust, so he's just losing a lot more sinkers, but those are working. Those, that's actually getting all of this really bad contact. It's why he has a, a, a sub-250 BABIP that we normally would say, oh, that needs to be like 280 or whatever. No, I I don't necessarily believe that. No, he's and, a career 267 and, and, and it's since better than before. Getting, yeah, since getting – I mean he even had some decent ones with the Orioles. Um, but you know, since getting to the Cubs, it's, it's, it's been even better. Last year was at 279, but 246, 241 in the two amazing years for Jake Arrieta. So I can grant that. I'm not going to – definitely not going to cry Babip here on the 246. Right. There's just no margin for error. I mean, because you're what? allowing so much contact, so, and he has a six percent swinging strike rate. He's not fooling anybody. I just a top thirty for for this profile. I guarantee that if the name wasn't there, there's no chance you'd have him top thirty. Of course, well, okay, that's, that's part not of having totally the name. Fair, yeah, it, 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 uh, But again. It's instructive. It doesn't. It's not like a mic dropper. It's not like oh, boom. So then you can't rank him there because the name matters. It tells you a lot about the pitcher. But if you, we were just doing like a blind statistical, you would have him so low. So this is okay. So when we talk about margin for error, right? We normally do it with with velocity, because when we talk about margin for error, it's about okay, you have to put it in this exact spot, otherwise it won't be effective, right? I am willing to to kind of throw that away a little bit with Arietta because of how ridiculously and this is I'm going to use this word I'm going to use it every week once it is feral that two seamer that sinker movement it is 
that, I think that's he, a negative. And he does a really no, no. I'm actually yes. this is this is my point. I'm I know. saying that because he's able to throw the in the zone so often that it, batters are not able to to line up with it. And he is getting ba- balls in play. It is a negative, I think, for his strikeouts. And I don't. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's going to have close to the 23% K rate they used to have. It's yeah. possible that he does figure some way out of his changeup, curveball, and slider to get some sort of momentum and getting closer to an 18 to 20%. I don't think that's out of the question. It's still not top 30, though. I, I, well, well, okay. With that, with just that singer, can't put somebody top 30 with a 16% strikeout look, rate for fantasy baseball, especially you, as a 12 team guy. I just, okay, well, okay. I don't. I don't really. Th- again, I'm just going to say I don't really think that he is going to have this 15.6 percent strikeout rate through the year. But 18 uh, sucks too for a top 30 guy. He has to get back to at least last year's 23 percent. Not not can, if he's not if he's giving you a sub three array in a 1.15 whip. You can't. Okay, well, so you can't. I I I'm not sure I can let you just go with Sierra for That's Eduardo Sierra. Rodriguez and oh, then we ignore. Okay, yeah. A 459 Sierra for Arietta because he has nasty stuff. He does, but when you're allowing that much contact, what about the periods when the ball isn't going right to the fielders? You know, like well, okay. Let's again, talk about there's the no margin for error with this much contact. Okay, so let's talk about the Sierra, right? So that Sierra is probably rooted in that low BABIP. That's probably rooted in the uh, 0.4 home run per nine, mm-hmm. right? Those two numbers. I think we both can agree. Or, I mean, 0.4 per nine. Sure, let's say it's 0. 0.6, 0. Sure. 0.7. But I mean, as you were saying before, that's not a major difference. Exactly. So those I can, are. I can even understand. You know, I could see a scenario where, again, not the 0. 0.4 necessarily, but even, you know, a full season 0. 0.6 because because the stuff is so nasty with Arietta, it is tough to square him up. I get that. Right. But, so so okay. So I mean, yeah, you're looking at the. We're looking at a 282 ERA and a 459 Sierra, just for reference here. And I mean, the main the main one for concern is a 64% left on base rate. Sure, that should probably go up to like 70 and change. You know, like yeah, that's fine. Okay, but I don't really see anything else in the underlying numbers that tells me it should actually be that 459 Sierra. That's what I'm trying to get at. But it's not going to be a sub three, and you're deciding that as if it's I... a, a true possibility. It's really well, not, though. I don't, I don't necessarily Again, believe but, that. That's the point. But then how can you can you really selectively cite these advanced metrics and only use them when when they favor you, though? Well, no. I'm, Cause I'm, like, I'm telling you which ones are believable based on his repertoire and his approach and what I've seen. And, I'm, you know, this is this. I, I use them to as an expression of those things. And okay. I, as long as we understand each one. But we're still almost two runs away at 282 to 459. Allowing that he can minimize hits and keep the ball in the yard for Arietta, that does not cover the full thing. You first off, you only have point eight until you're over three anyway. You realistically think that there's a, a, a shot that he keeps a sub three ERA. I think there is one. However, let's even do this. Let's let's say it's a three three ERA. Okay. okay. Let's say it's a three three ERA with a one point one five WHIP. All right. And again, I'm also making this ranking, not believing that 15.6 percent K rate is what we're going to see at the end of the season. I think it's going to be closer to 18 or 20. That's still terrible in in today's fantasy game. That's terrible. Let's say let's say 3.3 ERA with a 1.15 whip around with a 20 percent K rate and his IPS over six. Right. So that means he's going longer into games, which means that he's getting more expression. 
of those strikeouts than, say, someone like, I don't know, Maeda, I just saw the top of my head, who's notoriously a low IPS guy, or McCullers as well. I would rather no take IPS. both. Their oh, strikeout no. rates are so much higher, though, well, that, that, that ex- those extra innings won't cover any anything, really. Bad examples in that way. I'm just trying to get at, you know, IPS having an, an effect on this. Okay. Uh, but, but what I'm getting at here is if you can get those lots of innings with those ratios, that has a massive impact. And yeah, 20% versus 25, that's not, I mean, I, I'm, I'm even conceding 35 or so or closer to 40. I'm okay with that. But, but I don't think but he's also he's also not getting a lot of innings. Come on. His health record, he has one 200 inning season. I'll give him two. I'll say the 197. Let's round up. Let's be friendly. Those two years. But he was riddled with injuries before he got to the Cubs. He hasn't stayed healthy uh, the last two years. Or excuse me, last year he, he dealt with issues, had a 168 uh, inning total. How many innings do you really see for Jake Arrieta this year? I see a guy that has had three straight years of 30 games started. At least. And mm-hmm. in, in the years of all these pitchers getting injured, I don't see any reason why we should put any extra weight on Arietta getting injured. Because his no, because you used it, at, you suggested that they, he would have an innings count to mitigate some of that poor K rate. And I don't buy that because if he throws 160 innings, I'm not going to, I don't count that against him. I'm with you because I do think that the innings era that we're in means you, you don't need as many innings to be a high quality starter. But if he also has fewer innings, then he isn't Adam Wainwright in his strikeout rate. Because remember, you know, when Wainwright was good, he only had, you know, maybe like an eight something strikeout rate, but 220 innings mitigated it. So your point I like, but the case that you're using it with Arietta does not hold up for me at all. Yeah, you okay. know who he's like, well, the best comparison, the closest that we can really find here for what you suggested that he could maybe be this year. Do you know who it is from last year? With, with, with more strikeouts, but it's basically Andrew Kashner. Oh, don't you dare. With the with the ERA that you're talking about and, and everything. Okay, maybe hang on. Maybe Marcus Stroman, because he had a seven point three strikeout rate. No, I don't uh, I don't what about their hard contact was it twenty one point. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the, the I'm talking about the, the, that's the point, stats though. that you suggested. What do you mean that's the point? No, no, I'm talking about the ERA and whip and strikeouts that you suggested that we could see this year. I'm trying to find an analog for last year to figure out what that would even rate. You know, like oh, I see where you mean. Like like, I'm I'm saying, like even with the season that you're giving him, that's still not a top thirty, top forty season. Is what I'm is what I'm saying. I want to see that. I want to see if okay. Well, there are multiple things to be said here. One. Uh, I, I, I'm not even the first person to say this, but essentially the the famous phrase of this year is 180 is the new 200. Okay. Right. Th- so again, no, no, hang, no, on, hang, hang on, hang on. No, let me. So and, I, I. Yeah. Go ahead. Because relevant, I'm not making the point that his lower inning total should be held against him. You used it to suggest that he would have an innings total that could mitigate. To have an innings total to mitigate this dog shit strikeout rate. He would have to be throwing at least 180, at least. Right. Okay. I'm also have been making the point that because he is he's using his sinker this much to get uh, out, as opposed to getting into deeper counts, he's also having a higher IPS than he has in the past. It's a different approach. It's just not sustainable, man. <laughs> it's just not sustainable. Well, as, as, long as, like, as long as everything we understand is each other, out, there. Like uh, you know, I'm suggesting well that him. his innings are different. Because of the different approach. 
But but what in, what innings count are you looking at for him? Innings count? I don't yes, know. Like, I mean, let's. I could see him going. Yeah, I, can, I don't see why he can't go two hundred this year. I really don't. Yeah, I I see plenty of reasons. Um, mo- chief among them, the fact that he is not particularly healthy. Uh, he. You know, has a high walk rate that could still go higher because of the feral command, and you know some. I, I I'm not going to say that the seven one hit nine is definitely not going to hold because I, I I could definitely see something like that. But again, I'm talking about the margin for error there. He has to he has to keep these batted ball numbers pretty much where they are to have a good season. There is no wiggle room, and I think you can make a case that he's pitching at his best right now. Is he going to stay at his no. best? Okay, so for another two starts. That's well, that's the thing I was also talking about. Is I've been mentioning a lot that I don't see him having a 15.6 percent K rate. I, Honestly, I Nick, the difference between 16 and is, 18. This is hilarious to me because I'm actually not even like the biggest Jake Arrieta fan. This but you have like him not the, But I don't. That is so. And and you're as a twelve team guy too. You're always talking about like the high impact. You're basically betting on an ERA right now that that shows nothing that can be sustained in it in any Look, of the advanced metrics that just, we just so, often so we don't have. Just so we're completely clear here, let me sum this up in one sentence. What I'm betting on is the excellent induced weak contact that he is getting from his sinker, with the possibility. That he also improves his secondary stuff that really should be performing better. That, that is like what I'm doing. Guy, not a top thirty guy. Fifty is like I mean, there's so many questions in the forties, and he's one of them. Jake Arrieta is absolutely a question. Sure, but he's also a question that is is giving you production as well right now, and has right now, a, as those, a, as those a, stat, those as a way to bank. improve. Absolutely, well, then a lot of and a lot of guys. I mean, there's something to be said about a guy that is performing well. As opposed to someone who isn't. What's that mean? <laughs> that is like what if you mean by that. Well, you gotta give a little extra credit. It's like the almost the Vargas I did. Rule. I wanted to rank him in the sixties. Oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> well, are you familiar with the Vargas rule? Strikeout rate. Um, I'm sure it relates to last year. Well, right the Vargas rule not. is that it's a guy who's not performing well, but you can't stop throwing him. Until he hits. Well, that he was ball. performing well, but we knew it wasn't going to. Well, that's the last right, but, season. Right. Yeah. But, but, I gave this. Yeah. That's, I'm not calling thing. Jake Arrieta that. What no, I'm no, no, trying I, to I don't get think at, he's that either. No, 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 no. What I'm trying to get at is there is something to be said about guys producing now, sure, as opposed to. So what I'm saying is that the guys in the 40s and 50s, they don't, you know, they don't get. You have to give Arrieta a little extra credit at least because he is performing now. That's the entirety of that point. But the ranking is for the rest of the season, though. Like they, nobody gets credit. If I go trade for Jake oh, Arrieta, I don't get any of those other numbers, though. Of course. So are I, you ranking I'm, on I'm just, just what happened, or no, are you trying Paul. to have a ranking? I'm calling you Paul, and I even spore right now. That's that's fine. I, I understand <laughs> that you're getting a little frustrated, but like, I'm just trying to be on top of things. Here. No, yeah, I, no. There are there are multiple things that that go into these rankings. All I'm saying is that there is you need to give them a little extra bit. Because of that, because he has shown that with the I did, I put him in the usually start tier. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking usually, about yours. I'm talking about mine. <laughs> yeah, I think you gave him way too much credit. Thirty. I mean, I already conceded. So I already conceded forty. I can. I can even see as low as forty. Uh, I mean, if, if, we're, if we're forty away. fifty at that point, yeah, it's obviously not that far away. But right. I, I, I had, I had to get you on some of those logistical pretzels you tried to twist into to, uh, to justify these numbers. Though I think I did a good job as much as you tried to. Uh, we'll we'll let the knocks. listeners decide. All right, this one's <laughs> a super quick one because he pitched today. 
Uh, he pitched well. We've talked about him a lot before. We actually both like him, but we do have a sharp disagreement on Reynaldo Lopez. We have a 64-spot difference. Uh, again, picked the wrong day to be uh, anti some of these guys because he threw eight scoreless with uh, two hits, two walks, and eight strikeouts. And I will instantly grant that my 100-whatever, 121, uh, was was an overreaction to a degree. But I, I still have him in – outside the top, you know, uh, top 100. I don't know. Like I get that these starts are why you're interested, but he's had multiple of these starts already this year. Reynaldo Lopez has, and his numbers are still terrible. I mean, this is another Arietta situation. I imagine you're going to have the same points pretty much. Well, I mean, with Lopez, but at a lower degree, there's something I make very clear on the list is that when you get to the fifties and sixties, it's about you know, chasing what I call the Spice Girls, right? Mm-hmm. The ones that are the the tantalizing upside plays that could stick and or they could not, and we're kind of sifting through all of it. Sure. Um, I've also said with Rayano Lopez, this was this came out on Monday, and after that, the start before this one, um, I said, yeah, he's probably going to fall to the late 60s or so because okay. I mean, I wanted one more start after his, I think, he had two straight low strikeout performances mm-hmm. and he didn't really his secondary stuff just wasn't there no he's so uh, frustrating because we but, know how good he can be well with that's days the thing. Like today. so it's it's not out of the question still for me that i mean maybe this is the start where he turns the corner that is not oh it, i mean no, no no i'm not saying that is it's not it's fathomable and that's the point it is fathomable and that's why he needs to be higher than 121 for me but 57 or or we'll call it 69 i, I think I think you still need I think you still need a little bit more than like he could this could be the start that like you have him against over some guys that I'm just like really surprised on um like Waka um well hold even on. Like, I was, I'm like I was the one telling you that Waka might be turning around last uh one of these one of these uh fire sets. yeah Waka's actually one I'm, of the guys I'm like I've the chief about, Waka I'm, guy we talk okay listen I've been a to the first guy one from with Castillo day one. listen to that one again I but yeah, no, Waka have actually come out and said that he's probably going to be closer to 60 mm-hmm. or so. So I, I agree with you that Waka should be above Lopez right now. But really, we're, I mean, we're getting close. Like around 70 is essentially like your waiver wire replacements. And so Lopez is an intriguing one as opposed to kind of your middling, I don't know if they're going to be helping my team or not. That Lopez might be where I push back. That's, that's on on the level of intrigue, because I, I I do like him. I enjoy watching him on days like today when when Reynaldo Lopez is pitching well. But it's just too inconsistent right now that, you know, I'm not going to make a sweeping judgment and say that 54 innings in this isn't the year that he's going to break out. But the probability of it is so low at this point, based on what we've just what we've seen from him. He just hasn't shown that, you know that that. He's really looking to take a step yet. I, I, I think I think we I don't know where that comes from. He, he's he his had, numbers had those starts. No, 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 no. Paul, I'm calling you Paul again. That's, that's like my upset, like the upset mom. I call you Paul if I like a, your spore. Uh, <laughs> look, no, no, it, it's it's I, I don't even want to say it like this, but like it's Bundy in a way where Bundy looks really good at a certain day and then he doesn't look bad at another one, right? Reynaldo Lopez hasn't done anywhere near what, what Bundy has. Lopez to, has I had mean, some really good starts. He had 10 strikeouts against the no, Athletics. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can pretty much count on one hand his good starts over his entire career, though. I don't think he's earned the, the like, I'm not equating them. to say what was – okay. I'm not Go equating ahead, them. I'm just trying to show you that – 
there is the upside there. Like he has that talent and then it goes away some days. It's, I don't know why it goes away more days than it doesn't though. Right. But what I'm getting at is that he's a Jekyll and Hyde. And so Mm -hmm. just look at the entire season as one animal is, is not right right now. It's, it's, you can theoretically, you know, see a scenario where maybe, you know, those, those Jekyll moments are different from those Hyde ones. Right. I believe Jekyll is the doctor and Hyde is the crazy one. So, so we want to see more of the, the Jekyll and I don't, I don't know why, you know, why can't he all of a sudden be like, okay, I figured out what made those those really good starts really good, and pull those off more often. You know, instead, of, if you're just looking at the I entire mean, season's numbers, you're he not magically could. Him, right? But I'm I've watched him regularly this year, and I see a very inconsistent. You don't know what you're getting inning to inning, let alone start to start. And I, you know, again, I just think, and this could be one of our. 12 team versus 15 team separations where we predominantly focus on one league versus the other of like i don't know like i just think when uh, even if you again you have 57 but you say knock them down like 10 10 12 spots or whatever i think it's still prioritizing him over a handful of the guys that you have there i don't see how he has more upside than a bunch of those guys even like Fulty or Tyler Skagnick is is eager to discuss this one. He just had a big write-up over at Fangraphs. Y'all got to go check that out for sure. It's called Pitcher Spotlight, the Tyler Skaggs myth. And uh, what we're dealing with here with Tyler Skaggs this year is uh, 288 ERA, 124 whip, 25% strikeout rate, 8% walk rate, 11% swinging strike. You know, I some folks are really excited about the 26-year-old lefty. Uh, Nick is not one such person. Now, I have him... Let me see. I have Skaggs at 43rd. You have him at 68th. I, I mean, I'm not like overly in love with him. I just think that right now, if I, I he's in the usually start tier. So I'm just I'm starting him pretty much, not blindly. I always pay attention to you know where my pitchers are going in terms of their uh, starts, but I don't see a scenario where you try to. M- time any sort of uh, bad start that's coming he hasn't shown any sort of predominant split that i can think of where it's like well i can't you know i can't start him here i can't start him against teams that that have this or do this i think tyler skaggs is just pitching uh pretty well right now he's definitely had some pitch mix changes we're going to get into that uh he dominates lefties um He's had like a way better ERA on the road, but the skills are are pretty equal home in a way. In fact, his, his strikeout rate's actually better at home, but he's allowed five homers there, which is interesting because it's actually not really a homer park. Uh, I just think he's like a you know real solid guy, like middle of your rotation, kind of bank on him. And and if we hit a rash of bad starts, I'll reassess. But right now, I, I can't find a way to take Tyler Skaggs out of my lineup. Right. That's the Vargas rule. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. But, uh... See – Vargas was a known bad quantity, right? So I, right. I think if you use that for everybody, it, it loses its value. You have to use that for like a Joey Lucchesi or somebody like that. Like Tyler Skaggs had some pedigree. Why are you rolling your eyes at that? Um, um, no, because I was just inserting it because we had just mentioned it and no, you I, pretty I much underst- said the exact definition. No, I, I, I understand, but but no, because I'm not saying that the, at the first sign of trouble you run away. I'm saying you then you then assess him. You decide if he's a okay. spot starter. For me, the advice I gave, and based on the Vargas rule, it seems like you had the same thing. Once you really saw like two bad starts in a row from Vargas, you flat cut him. You take your winnings and you cut. With Skaggs, I would not do that. So I don't. And again, I know you might have been doing it tongue in cheek, but I think people would take it like seriously. And I don't think he's a Vargas rule type because he actually has uh, uh, talent. Okay, cool. 
Um, I, this is the question I like to ask people when it comes to Tyler Skaggs. Uh, what is the thing that he has done that you think is very sustainable for his increased strikeout rate and obviously uh, massive boost or, I guess, benefit in ERA this year? Probably uh, just the overall uh, deployment of the fastball and when he's using the changeup because he's gotten a lot of uh, quality results ending plate appearances with it more so than ever despite not having a some colossal jump in usage he's gone from nine percent to eleven percent so it's not like he's all of a sudden just diving head first into a changeup it's when he's deploying it actually ending at bats with it and garnering strikeouts but also the fact that the fastball isn't a complete turd so it's it's more it's two things really I don't, right. I don't have just a – there's no smoking gun. Okay. So, I mean, that's kind of the problem. Um, I see a lot of things – I mean, I, I think Skaggs is is definitely a little bit better from last year. His curveballs are going over the plate more often. He's getting – actually depends on that as as a strike pitch finally. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, he's throwing a little bit more four-seamers inside the zone. That's good. He has the sinker that he's throwing now 15% of the time, and it's helping him get ground balls, 10% more ground balls. Uh, oh, sorry, 10-point increase, and that's about 51%. That's nice, and you got Simba back there. I can understand that. He doesn't have he doesn't have a single pitch that has over a 30% strikeout rate. Okay. He is inducing much worse content this year, 10.8% soft contact, which is atrocious. Uh, 39% hard contact. These are both worst numbers of his career by a lot. Hard contact, mm-hmm. the same as 2013, but mm-hmm. last three years, that's a massive jump. And that changeup, like, I, I watched his last start. Um, he had four whiffs with it, which were pretty much make up 30% of his entire whiffs with the changeup the entire season. And two of them were really bad changeups that were, like, off the plate, and there's the, no reason to be swung at. And the other two came in the same exact at bat against the same batter in the same spot. And executed those very well, but I didn't see, I watched every changeup in that game, I didn't see a pitch that was defining a massive, you know. That, well, it's using 11%. It. It's, not, it's not defining anything. Well, no, right. Well, that's the point. That no, no, no. Okay, is a defi- no, no. is defining pitch. Right. What I'm trying to get at is I didn't see, I don't see this changeup being a difference maker for his massive ERA jump. I don't see his curveball. I mean, curveball's more for strikes. Great, but he, they're actually, uh, he, he hasn't really gotten really good results with them. Uh, 262 batting average allowed, 365 bat. So that doesn't really explain the success in itself. I mean, you could argue maybe that should get better. I can understand that, but I'm trying to find the reason as to why he's he's gotten so much better. I think you're looking for one reason, and, and it's not, and that's frustrating you, I guess. Well, it's, like it, it's, not, it, it's not always just a single... They're all I think gives we, and takes. You know, that's the thing. It's like they're all... They, they all have their benefits and their positives, and I'm not seeing any change. I a mean, major... Really? A major thing on like the 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 primary pushback on the batted ball thing because obviously yes he is allowing more hard contact and it's coming directly out of his soft contact but the 10 percentage point jump in ground ball rate means that it is inherently more fieldable contact and they do have a great infield defense as well i mean we generally you know once you start getting above 50 percent on the ground ball rate that's having an impact and then obviously as you scale up beyond that, we really start to take notice if you're like 55 plus. Uh, you start to do like Dallas Keuchel stuff. Like he actually, he's, his line drive rate is way down too. So it's hard contact, but it's like hard contact on the ground. And yeah, that's but, not 
But I, I should be seeing a lot more soft contact than 11% then if it's like really good ground contact. Because otherwise, I mean, that we tells me that I, he's not going to be able wait. to sustain this. I didn't. I didn't say it was like some elite ground contact. I just said it. It's on the ground. It. it it's going to do less damage. And again, especially with a, a great infield defense with Kinsler, Simmons, and uh, Cozart. Well, I would. I would um, make the. I would make the argument any any increase you want to talk about a benefit of the ground ball rate has been nullified by the worse overall contact. What That's, do you mean? I mean, well, like he's gone from twenty one percent soft contact to eleven percent. Mm-hmm. So that that ten point drop is more. I would even argue is more impactful negatively than the ten point increase. Right? Yeah, the ten point increase in ground balls. That's what I would argue. But medium contact isn't automatically bad. And, I'm not talking and about so yeah. while, sure. it, while it has gone into it's it's you know 32 to 39 percent on the hard contact. We are still in a zone where a couple starts can get him right back to 32 percent. Like it is still super volatile. This is not like a, a set in stone change for Skaggs or for anybody's batted ball. Like it is still it is still relatively early on a lot of these numbers with these percentages that can change on a dime. So I acknowledge it. And again, I'm not. I, again, I I feel like you're trying to look for the smoking gun here that will make you believe in this new stuff. And there isn't just one, but there isn't. A lot of times. And so I don't know that that automatically means like don't believe in his numbers. Um, you know, he, I don't think he's a sub three ERA pitcher by any stretch, but he can absolutely be a mid threes guy. He does have a corresponding swinging strikeout rate or swinging strike rate to jump uh, to go with his strikeout rate boost. So I don't know, man. I'm not I'm not seeing the, a major issue well, here. You know, the 84 percent left on base is going to come down. But. Again, that's going to get him to the mid threes, which I think is very plausible. And a lot of his uh, ERA indicators, that's where they have him. I mean, okay, two things here. 10.7% swing strike rate doesn't indicate a 25% K rate. It's normally a little bit lower than that. Um, So, I mean, it it is a boost in swing strike rate, but it's not like this massive thing that really makes me believe that the strikeout rate is legit. Uh, And, I mean, I'm going to say that I probably should have I meant to add at the end of that article what I actually kind of expected his numbers to be I see like a 390 ERA guy I think he has gotten slightly better yeah uh, but I don't and and this is something that we do differ a little bit about what is the true value of a 390 ERA in your leagues I I mean yeah I I call him a Toby that's my term for it um that's a that's someone you keep around the office gets the work done but you don't really like him and that's Skaggs. You're probably just you're probably going to hold on to him through the year. You're not going to be too satisfied with it. And he'll probably be around like 60 tomorrow. But I just the thing is I don't see. I want to buy into Skaggs. This is how and I you want to look is, for the one thing though. I think well, that's the, the one. No, the but problem. It's, no, but here, but that it's not that I don't find the one thing. Is that anything I saw benefiting? That like you could say like little increases. I also saw a lot of decreases, and I saw just kind of tweaks, but at the same level ultimately. That's the problem. Right. I think I think where I I love the, the article and and the setup of it, but as far as like the myth thing, no one believes that he's a sub three ERA pitcher. So like what what is the myth exactly? Well, no, it's not. Nobody thinks it's a sub three. Everyone's kind of thinking that he is a three five, and I don't believe that. I mean, the myth. I have heard a lot of people. I've gotten multiple tweets about sinkers and ground balls and changeups and everything I mentioned there. I didn't actually say myself. I've seen that. Sure. And I, that's why I targeted it. It was actually really convenient that it was all four pitches in the repertoire, so I could go about it that way. I, I do but, think one thing that you 
might be underrating a little bit again is the deployment of the changeup in that last year, you know, the usage is not up a whole lot. Again, not really appreciably. He could have a certain game where he only throws like six changeups and all of a sudden the usage is right back at the same level. But last year he ended 26 plate appearances on it uh, with the changeup all year long. And this year he's already done that in, in half as many starts. So it has been a lot more effective just in its deployment, even if it's not something that you're saying is like some game changing pitch. It is not the 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 driving force behind some skags breakout but it is absolutely helping right the one thing i didn't mention that i do in the article is that it has a 167 babbit but i do not buy same thing goes with his sinker that is i believe is a 200 babbit again do not buy i it look i actually am the first i remember us agreeing on chase anderson last year where mm-hmm. he didn't really have a smoking gun yeah he did he was someone that i needed was to show, like well, well, it was it was kind of there, but it was more the amalgamation of all of his repertoire really sure, became there, the pitcher. There were that's a thing. things. Right. But I mean, that's really the argument. Um, and the article I wrote about Chase Anderson that we, we've talked about a lot is like he became a pitcher and he actually that the skills that he had were justified because he was a pitcher. I don't think that Tyler Skaggs is all of a sudden this same kind of pitcher with his repertoire that all just works. That's just that's what I was getting at in that article. That's kind of how I feel about him. Again. I, I'm probably going to put him at 60. He's going to be a guy that probably will sit in your 12-teamer and just be there, and you'll never really feel like you need to drop him. But I, I, I think that those expecting, you know, seeing a 335 FIP and thinking that's his real nature, I think they're going to be a well, little bit disappointed. If anyone uses FIP like that, they are stupid and they need to stop. <laughs> well, you know what I mean. That's, no, no, that's... I, I know, but but a lot of people use FIP like that, and they absolutely need to stop. Uh, it is so wrong. Um yeah, and I, I think there, you know, again, you talked about how we might disagree on it. With the volatility of the pitching market the way it is and, and with so few, like, innings horses, everyone's switching out their pitchers, to have a guy that you can kind of set and forget at least for, you know, the, an extended period of time here is absolutely valuable. So uh, that's where we're at on Skaggs. Let's move on to the to the next one here. It's it's Junior Guerra, which, you know, I have him, what, I have 48, you have him at 92, I, I don't have like a spirited case of like, yo, Junior Guerra is the most lit pitcher ever um, because I don't necessarily think that he is. But I definitely think he's pitching a lot more like he had from his breakout season. Um, and, you know, last year's season couldn't have gone worse. All of a sudden he had like a 21 percent homer to five ball ratio. He was allowing homers to everybody. But everything else was more or less in line. The walks were a little bit higher, but his strikeout rate was was fine. Uh, his his batting average against was actually still pretty good. Everything was kind of there, except when you're allowing 2.3 homers, you, you you can't survive. And now everything looks a little bit more like it did back in the, in the 2018 uh, in the 2016 season. And you know he had that 281 ERA, which nobody really believed that, that that's his true level, but he maintained it through 122 innings. And again, I, I put him 48. I don't think he's a sub three by by any stretch of anybody's imagination. But I think like a mid three guy uh, with some strikeout potential. Uh, I'm a sucker for the split finger as well. So I think that's an, uh, another reason why why I like him. I wish he was using it more though. So that that is one thing that is different. But uh, he is using the two seamer, I think, a bit more this year for Junior Garris. So again, I don't have a, a bend over backwards like you know this guy is so dope never take him out of your lineup or anything. I just think for the foreseeable future, for the next, you know, 
couple weeks here. I'm just kind of keeping Junior Guerra in my lineup. Well, okay, so first of all, I think I had the benefit of more. I've had more starts in my ranking than in yours because in his last three has not been. He had that one nine strikeout game in in there, but overall has just been very bad. It's about near fifty percent hard contact in the last three starts alone. Fourteen uh, percent walk rate, one five six WHIP, six nineteen ERA in those three starts, and that did impact last week's ranking because he just wasn't he wasn't performing while well, we had you know we'd only have so much to go on mm-hmm. uh, this at this point in the season. Um, about his splitter, that is that was really the thing that has made me be anti Guerra for the most part. And the reason is because a splitter, when it's working, is normally the pitch that gets him strikeouts and it's the most consistent one. I think that, that K Ray is a little elevated right now because of that one game that he had. But a splitter in the past would have a 45% O swing and a 23% whiff rate. That is absurdly good, right? Mm-hmm. This year, it's way worse 14% whiff rate and a 32% O swing. And he's only throwing it in the zone 25% of the time. This is not an effective pitch all of a sudden. So that means that he has to turn to his fastball and his slider to get that impact. I'm not really seeing it from those. Well, I don't it, really, I don't see a K rate sustaining itself at 23% with Guerra. And I, and I'm, I'm, I want to be wrong. It could, it could be a guy that's like a three six ERA this year. That's not out of the question. I, I there's just a lot of risk with it, and I don't trust the strikeout rate at the moment. And so he got pushed back a bit. I probably will raise him a little bit um, to like I could see in the 80s in your high 80s or so. I mean, again, there are a lot of names. I'm surprised how many starters that actually are viable. The Globs. And, well, I mean, I'm saying, like, outside of the top 100 even, there are guys like, I'm sorry, I probably would go with a stream maybe with you this week, but I can't put you on here. No, there's, there, yeah, there's, I mean, there's probably two Globs now. There's, like, kind of the the all-formats Glob and then, like, the mega deep mixed slash single league Right. Uh, glob, but the, it, it's delineating between these, and that's why I always say in my rankings, like don't get so hung up on the number, focus on the tier. Um, but you know that that tier that he's in, the usually start ranges from thirty six to fifty four. So people can look at the forty eight, and if they disagree with that, I get it. If they feel like he, Junior Guerra is more of a spot starter, I understand. He pitched today, um, four I mean, and that's a third. What I see, I see a spot starter right now with Garrett swinging strike rates down to nine percent. Like that's not gonna that dictates a twenty percent or lower strikeout rate, and that's kind of what I see. Considering the splitter is not there at all. Yeah, but that's one start from turning too. So we'll we'll keep an eye on the splitter. I think he's someone I'll keep an eye on. I'll bring I'll probably bring him down uh, into the spot start tier, uh, but keep a close eye on on the splitter because it's still getting the right the positive results. He's just not getting. Uh, as much of it he's not using it as much probably because he doesn't trust it based on what you said with Guerra's zone rate on the splitter is just not there so you know well, it's never they're not that yeah they're not doing anything with it but when they do swing at it but if they're if you're going to throw it that little you know in the zone and it's just going to be like a total throwaway pitch then they can easily spit on it so I think Garrett needs to get better there so it was a big um, ranking disagreement that's why we brought it up but I think at the end we we'll probably both need to more meet in the middle yeah, I think, I around think so. like the late sixties, early seventies. Maybe if I could, if I could work you up just a little bit, but uh, maybe <laughs> even probably, come down I'll, a little I bit more myself. Him. So I might have him at 80. Yeah. I'll I, I, I think I, I could see getting, getting closer to, to 80 there on, on Gara. I think uh, it's definitely overrating the, uh, so, so I didn't realize that he wasn't using the splitter nearly as much. I still had a 20% splitter usage in my mind. 14% pretty low. 
I will keep an eye on that because if he starts using it 20% again, though, that could be a, a field pitch, right? We've seen Alex Cobb kind of go in and out on his splitter. Don't so I'm not it, saying that I'm going to, you know, I'm not, by the way, this is not a defense. I'm conceding on, on sure, Garrett. Yeah. But what I'm saying is um, he is still going to be someone I monitor and folks that do have him, they keep an eye on the splitter. And if it does start to get back to previous years, then I think you really start to jump up. But yeah, 48 is too high. I'll, I'll concede on that 100%. All right, last one that I think we will have an actual disagreement here because I think we have before already. Tyson Ross. <laughs> Man, he's just going to keep making you look bad, huh? What you are you talking at- about? I was the one. I was the one who's like, guys, Tyson Ross, don't forget about him. I wrote that that Rotographs article after his second start. I was excited. I was on the train. I drafted Tyson Ross. Don't come at me with this noise. I got him twenty nine. He was. He was he got him forty eight leagues at the time. And, and I was in those two percent. Um, no, I. But I feel like we've had a, a rankings differential here all season. So you got him forty eight. You got him where I have Guerra, and I got him twenty ninth. I got him in my must-start tier, and part of that is the way I do these rankings. Like that's what this is. This is a great example of why I say the number doesn't matter nearly as much because the must-start tier just gets slotted up there, and yet there are guys in the usually start tier that I think if you said pick one for the rest of the year that I would probably pick a few over him. But I do look at things more in a short term of three to six weeks and there is no place except for maybe Coors where I'm taking Tyson Ross out of my lineup. He's an absolute must start in all formats for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that. I, I don't have as much faith. I mean, again, these are rest of season rankings and I, I totally get, you know, the 335 ERA, the 119 whip, but are they uh, when we change them that much? Are they really rest of season when we know we're going to change them for you every week, for me every like couple well, weeks? They're, they're really well, not. As I get higher, as I get higher, I think like the top fifty or so are more are much sturdier sure. than the bottom fifty. That's actually something. Yeah, we've already acknowledged the changing culture of how innings totals are much lower, and so I think if you're thinking that far in advance with anybody but like your top two starters. You're just going to be asking for disappointment uh, and and heartache there. Like I think you got to have your couple lockdowns, and again, you can you can uh, construct a rotation in a lot of different ways. You can have like um, six usually start guys, and none of my number the guys I anointed as number ones, or you can have like two number ones and then a boatload of spot starters. Like you can do it different ways, but I feel like you have a couple that you lock down, and that's like the top twenty five, and then from there. As you mentioned, it starts to get wide open after like 15. People were asking me like, Charlie Morton, 14. I'm like, yeah, who else would you put up there? Like Charlie Morton's amazing for one. For one, I want to just say Charlie Morton is amazing. But also like (laughs) who else are you really putting up there? So for me with Ross, like I get what you're saying. They are rest of season rankings uh, ideally. But they're also – I don't really think they are because we changed them so much. Well, well, okay. All that aside – I'm I'm just kind of curious what you actually anticipate with Ross. Is it this you know 335 ERA with a 25% K rate and 10% walk rates with a 1.2 WHIP? That's what we have right now. Is that what you see essentially just moving forward? Yeah, thereabouts. I mean, that's right in line with peak Tyson Ross, and he's pitching uh, extremely well. Like I don't, you know, maybe not those numbers exactly, but you look at what he did from 13 to 15 and it was a 307 123 with 9.2 strikeouts i'm on b ref so i don't have a percentage but um you know 
that that's that is that is where I'm at with with Tyson Ross right now, and I don't know why I should you know why I would be too far from from what he's done. It was a 25 percent strikeout rate then, so. I'm not seeing anything terribly different. The swing strike rate is a little bit down at 10%, and he's been a double-digit guy. But again, you're talking one start. You're you're nodding at me like that's some stark difference. I guarantee you if he goes and has like a 12-strikeout a, a start with a boatload of swinging strikes, one start still flips it. Ten, the difference sure. between 10%... And and eleven percent right now, ten percent, twelve percent is nothing. It's an indication of that this isn't okay. This isn't the same guy from 2014, 2015. It's it's I, there are hints of it, but it's not I mean, really we, different though. No 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 no. I'm not him. Who he is, what his repertoire is, what he's doing is different. Okay, I understand the 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 similarity in K and walk rate make you think that this is exactly the same as 2015 again. It's not. Three miles per hour difference on his fastball and slider, both lower. His ground ball rates Wait, are much worse. Ninety-three to ninety-one. Uh, I'm Two seeing miles. three on. Okay, is it three on the slider then? And I just added both of them. I think it's both of them. Eighty-seven, anyway. eighty-five. It's two. I mean, again, where was eighty-four? Just, okay, fine. Uh, to be, you get it's lower. Sure, two and a half. Yeah, yeah because he's older. <laughs> Well, right, but it, he's not—he's not the same guy in that way, and it's also come across in both his his ground ball rates are much lower. This is not the endless ground ball chucker mm-hmm. that it used to. He used to be only forty-six percent this year in his heyday, fifty-seven and sixty-two mm-hmm. uh, with his ground ball. That's not good. He's—I mean, I, I'm sound like a uh, broken record here, but hard contact is terrible this year. Um, he's allowing a lot more. That's thirty-eight percent right now. Heyday twenty-seven. I'm oh, sorry, twenty-eight percent and twenty-four percent. That's a big difference that we shouldn't ignore. And he's coming. Also, he's overperforming by a lot right now. Two sixty-eight BABIP. I do not think that's going to stick. He's never had a BABIP. I'm sorry. Well, 2014, 2015. That was two ninety and well, three twenty. When you I lower, think that's going to go up. When you lose ground ball rate. Your BABIP can can get better because you're not allowing as many uh, balls on the ground that can go through. So, like, I don't think it's inherently like something like that can be part of the trade off of losing some of those ground balls. That's fair. For, for I, would, I would I would have more conviction in that if it didn't come with worse, you know, worse hard contact by a grand amount, right? So, I see essentially what I see is grand amount. Is, is, that's I mean, a thirty-eight percent rate. Yeah, that's yeah, it's 10 high. points. Absolutely, ten points higher it's, than the heyday. It's high again. I, I didn't even argue fourteen points. It's May twentieth, man. I'm. I think. I think you're just underrating what what like a start or two can still do right now. Wait, wait, wait. So, okay, I, I guess you're making the argument that no, no, he's no. getting going to get better. No, no. The bottom line argument I'm making is you can't really take him out of your lineup right now. When would you take him? When wouldn't you start I'm, him? I am at forty-eight. I'm comfortable with him. I'm just very aware of the floor. So who isn't? I mean, look what he did the last. Right, but, like, but, uh, but the risk is built into the price, though. Like, why? Why do we double? Uh, like, I wouldn't. Uh, that's the thing, though. I don't. Why do we double for, count it? You already got him I, for nothing. You're playing with house money at this point. It doesn't matter. Who cares about that? Just what do you mean it doesn't matter right now? The ranking is matters. It doesn't matter if you got him on house money or not. Sure, it does. Because because it it changes what your expectations are of him. If I paid a, a ninth round pick, I have a much different expectation. If it starts to go south, Nick, you, you move on from the waiver pickup. Like, what are you talking about? You wouldn't you wouldn't endure something that would move him to like a five twenty ERA. You would jump out quickly. But I'm saying like right now, when are you taking him out of your lineup with this production for Tyson Ross? No, no, no. But the question isn't that though. The reason that we have sure this is. difference. The reason we have this difference of 29 and 48 is that I'm not sold 
that this is what we're going to get from him, and I'm very, very aware that this can go go south quickly. I and am aware of that. Too. I wouldn't say that. I would say a 29. That's more aggressive. But I, the I mean, difference we're just gauging that differently. And but I, the difference I see a is from my must start tier to like the usually starter spot start. And I'm telling you, and I'm asking you, when would you take him out of your lineup right now? What what is there that you're going to preemptively say outside of course that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna start him here? He's been basically the same home and road, like. That's that's the point. Like, when are you taking him out of your lineup? And and even if it does go south, how hurt can you really get? Because it was a waiver pickup, and that's why the price does matter. Because you're not going to keep him as long. If you're a good fantasy baseball player, you're not just going to go down with the ship and take bad start after bad start from a guy like Tyson Ross, especially if injuries crop up, which has been the problem the last two years. Right, but that's not – the the price you pay for these guys is not involved in these in my I rankings. I just explained list. to you how that, that but matters. It, no, 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 you're you're not talking about the price. You're talking about how you react. That's different. How is it different? What? It's just it. Once you own them, it doesn't matter what you paid for them. It's about yes, it what does. you do with them now. No, but unless I, you're in like an Autono league or something. No, I just explained how it's different it though. Doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. How doesn't it make sense that? That if I drafted somebody it's who had cost. a volatile profile in in like the seventh round or something, you're riding that out. Like you're riding out that Lance McCullers no matter what. So if you got saddled with like a 520 ERA, it could happen because you're like you're going to be running him out there. If it starts to go south with a Tyson Ross and injuries crop up, shoulders bothering him, you move on because you are you you invested so little and you've already won right now anyway with fifty four innings. Like I don't see how you're saying that doesn't factor at all. I, I'm what I'm saying is you're worried that you're, about you're talking the, about you're, you're talking worried about, about the, fall the person. Off. You're worried no, about no, no, the no. fall off, right? So I'm saying that the fall off can only hurt you so much because if it starts to really go south, you just move on because you have not invested enough. Okay, so let me let me let me make sure that we're on the same Running, page here. Uh, out there. Let me okay. I, I, let me make sure we're on the same page here. So you, what you're suggesting is that with these rankings, we should also keep in mind that with this player, what the assumed roster is for the for the person owning them. No. What What do you mean? But that's what I'm saying is that because you got him at house money, you have other options on your team, so you feel better about dropping him. Of that's course. That's what you're saying, right? So you're saying that when I make my list every week. I should be assuming the other roster spots. No, I'm on the using person's it as team. a. I'm, I'm telling you, say you're worried about the fall off. You think that this could go south. I'm saying well, that's yes. that's fine. That's a valid worry. By the way, that's that's really the worry for any pitcher because it can go south so quickly for one. But I understand that he has heightened risk because he's had chronic shoulder issues. Tyson Ross has. I and get I that. See a, and I see a guy that's overperforming by a decent amount. Based on what? Because none of it, the advanced metrics that. That you've cited here tonight, back that. I disagree, and also the fact that his repertoire is much worse than it was, and the things do, that you're. How do you disagree though? It's a three thirty-five ERA, a three forty-six FIP, and a three ninety-seven Sierra. I think he's closer to that Sierra from the things that I've dictated with his BABIP, with his ground ball rates, and his hard contact. Okay, and you would still take a three ninety-seven for the entire year with the strikeouts that he's getting. Like that, that would be fine. You're because you're talking about the the doomsday scenario. If you're just talking about regressing to the Sierra, then then you you can't lose on this one. 
sure, but I don't. I, I see closer, much closer to that than the current situation, and I don't think that's a top thirty pitcher. Also, by the way, I do think the K rate should come down a bit too. Again, so I'm talking about he's in the must start, and and you're 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 doing exactly what I ask people not to do in my thing, like really get focused on the number and saying it's top thirty or whatever. Okay, he's in the must start tier. When are you taking Tyson Ross out? Paul, okay. So we, th- this this question, I've already kind of answered this. And the reason I'm talking about the numbers specifically is because this is a podcast about us talking about differences in our numbers. So let's let's just do this. Let's do this a solid here. Okay? If you're, you're putting him in that tier, don't go on the numbers. What range is that? The must-start tier goes down to 35. Goes down to 35. Okay. So theoretically, you know what? Maybe I'm looking at some of the guys here. Uh, I could conceivably put him. Yeah, I can put him closer to forty. That doesn't really make make us so far away. But the reason that I don't have him at the top of that tier, that must start tier, is because I do believe that there is more regression to come, and I I put a higher weight on that probability than I, you do. And that's I, really I, the thing that I, I, I'm not sure you do here. for one. But I also think I I I I do I have to push back. I have an issue with selectively using those metrics for when they suit you and then ignoring them. Uh, or, well, or acting like they say more, like when they fit the repertoire, when they fit when they what fit the what you're doing, the point. You're that's making. when no, no. But I mean, it's oftentimes it's like okay, does this match? And it does. And if it doesn't, then that's when we have a fun talk. Like that. that that's what I'm getting. So right here, it does match, and that's why I'm standing behind it. It doesn't match Eduardo Rodriguez though. Based on what well, we're actually, seeing. well, let's let's go back, roll the tape, and we can talk, let's talk about that again. <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm just saying I feel like a lot of selective usage there, uh, with with some of these metrics. So again, I I'm I just have him as a must start. Well, I don't think you're taking Tyson Ross out uh, of your lineup, and you know obviously he's someone that you keep a close eye on because he was a waiver pickup. That volatility is built in because that's why he wasn't drafted. He missed two years basically as 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 a nothing pitcher and i just i'm struggling to see scenarios where it's going to go completely sideways and really hurt anybody because it, because if it really starts to go astray you just move on from tyson ross and uh, just just to one last thing here about the metric and stuff one thing uh that i i think i do a little differently and this is also one of the major reasons that we have differences which is great uh is that i often the metrics are one half of it. It's not everything to me. So it's not everything to me either. I think they're. Well, no, I think right, the metrics right, are I mean, wildly overused. Like those. <laughs> did you read that article on those on the X metrics over at Baseball Prospectus? Oh yeah, that was a good one talking about that was, Woba and, uh, that was excellent. Yeah, I, I yeah. think those get overused so irresponsibly in the fantasy community. So days. it's a meld. It's a meld of like how what I see, how are they using it, that kind sure. of stuff. Sure, we do the same thing there. That's not a difference between well, us. Oh right, but it's a. Uh, so, I, I mean, I, I focus a lot more on the crafting of the pitcher, and that's when I bring in the metrics because they often do support what I see. It's more common for that to happen. So that kind of explains why, you know, I, why that happens. That's all. That's all I got, Paul. Spore. Uh, uh, You're back to Spore now. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. We got, we got a couple of final things here. It's just – you use them when they suit you, is what you're saying, and I I, I understand that's that not most fair people at all. do that. I, I that's not fair. Come I think on. it is because I think that's how everyone uses statistics. Let's just be honest about it. Um, let's have some final thoughts here, quickly. Is Jordan Lyles a thing? Is this real? Do we care about this? I I am kind of intrigued that he added a lot more drop on his curveball. 
Yeah, that's been the big that's the that's the key difference there is that this curveball is supposed to be uh, really new, got away from um, his fastball usage a little bit. And it's filtered into the curveball and changeup. You seeing anything on on Jordan Lyles' changeup that you like? It's a 19% no. usage, which is like more than if you added his last two years together. Yeah, no, I think it's I think it's really just that curveball. That I don't know if this is. It's not my favorite spice. I'm not even calling him a spice girl. Yeah, it wasn't. And so. uh, then a rough start today. Well, you know, roughish. You know, a five and two thirds four earned. I'd have to watch that to see how rough it was. I do see two homers, four strikeouts, seven hits, and two walks. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm going to reserve judgment. I did not see a single pitch of that for Jordan Lyles, but I do think it'll bring bids down today in fantasy leagues a little bit for people that might have been getting ready to get hyped on Jordan Lyles. Maybe they'll bring it down a little. Although he was a two-start this week, so he might already be on a lot of teams uh, or a team in a lot of different leagues. So you're not really buying it. I, I don't really love I'm it. I understand it too. I'm, I'm trying to – see it you know former pedigree was brought up early kind of had to learn on the fly and took i mean didn't really learn on the fly like he's carried like a career 530 era so it was a lot of uh tough tough luck there at the uh, major league level of having to develop there and not really getting to the chance to because you start putting up those numbers you got to be taken out of the lineup and then you're re- relieving and etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's something i'm keeping an, an eye on though in fact i am going to go back watch this uh, pirate start tomorrow morning and just see if I see anything that uh, that intrigues me at all. But I'm a little bit eh. – here's one. Between the two, Lyles or Zach Eflin? Because I think we were both pretty on oh, That's Eflin, interesting. Right? I, would chase, I would chase Lyles. I would chase Lyles I, over Eflin too. Yeah. Um, you know, more upside essentially. Petco's not the same park that it that it was it's more neutral now these days so don't don't lean on that as like oh he has petco protecting him because he also has a terrible team surrounding him too so i think any park game that there would be is mitigated by that ball club but uh he curveball or not i don't think he's maintaining that 215 babbit which i'm sure went up today but it's probably still under 230 so um all right that's jordan lyles all right i got one last thing here and i'm curious Oh, no. If you could I'm so give a scouting report of Nick Pollock from, from Brandeis University. <laughs> you really want that? I'm very, oh, man. I'm very curious of a, uh, of a scouting report uh, on, on a uh, lanky righty. Righty? Righty or lefty? I wish I was a lefty. Right. Would you, yeah, it would have propelled, you know, you're just inherently better uh, by virtue of your handedness at that point. Uh, and that's, right. let's say nothing against you. That's just the lefty way. Uh, I'm going to take my kid's hand behind his back, his right hand, and teach him to make him throw lefty. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you had a, a splitty was your main pitch. Yeah. But, well, uh, what, okay. I was, I was a fireman. Okay. I was, I was the, the guy. My, my, I wanted to start. I was a starter in high school. And I had, you know, I had the pitches for it and everything. But my coach quote said, "There's no one in the pen that can throw strikes but you." So that's you have to positive. do that. I guess I just uh, I really wanted to start. But you whatever. know, so if I was, we're in I was college the, now, you'd you'd love it because you'd be jo- you'd be right-handed Josh Hader. <laughs> you'd be Davinsky. You'd be calling well, yourself a Davinsky. Oh God! I well, the thing is, I I had terrible extension on my mechanic. I had my my mechanics were not good. Anti Freddie. Um, <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but I was a slinger. So okay. I had I, I came kind of three quarters. Uh, and that because of that, I had a lot of movement in my two-seamer. A good amount of sync, too. I was able to get on top of it. Uh, and I would jam righties all day. Pretty much, I would come out of the pen and get a double play ball. I had a, a I think, a, 
five to one ground ball to fly ball ratio. You were busting them here, busting them in righty righty. That Completely. is impressive. That's all day. That's what I, I would sit on the inside corner of tail in, and I would break bats. Very nice. Uh, so if I got to to strikes, I mean, I pretty much would just do that. Oh one, oh oh one, and then it would come down to uh, my coach didn't want me throwing a curveball. Tried to make me throw a slider. I never could throw a slider. I used to have a really good curveball. I kind of lost it, but I had a really good changeup, and that was kind of your. Uh, almost your splitty one. It was a softer one that you just kind of rolled up your fingers like a two-seam grip and then kind of pushed the ball into your hand a little bit. And then I had a more aggressive uh, put-away one that I would put in the dirt where it's really like a, just a fork ball, but it'd be across the entire diameter of the ball. So it'd just be one half of the ball would be above my fingers, the other half would be below it. That was a ton of fun to throw down or get a ton of ground balls and swings and misses on that. And then I would stun them with a backdoor two-seamer. That would put a little extra and uh, I would put a little extra pressure put on it in the ground. To no, I would I would get the guy to, the catcher to start off the plate about eight inches, maybe even a foot off the plate, and then it would come back and it would be about four or five inches off the plate. But I would always get that call. Nice. That that was that was the fun stuff. I wish I had video of of, of know, a young right? Nick Pollock you out there. Don't I it did was really get bad mechanics? <laughs> I did. Uh, I I was able to get into some stat cast data. And I, I I heard that that you had the highest exit velocity in university <laughs> history on ground balls to third base. Oh, that's hilarious, Paul. Is this to even think to even think that our field, which is not a good field at all at Brandeis, had Statcast camera is a wonderful idea. No, uh, but jokes aside, <laughs> I, I I went to the University of Texas game and I was with one of your old teammates, and he Zach told Woolley? me. He told me his name was John, and he told me about uh, about your your rampant exit velo on grounders to third base. He said the stat cast had you off the charts that you would allow that... these scorchers to third. Uh, he he told me to ask you about your exit velo on grounders oh, to third. Oh man, that is very true. Uh, that must be John McGrath. I don't know his last name, but I think oh, a wonderful cool. guy, six foot three, tall guy. Yeah, nice nice guy. Uh, oh, my buddy man. Paul. And yeah, so we got there and he goes, you know, my friend, Nick Pollock, I was going, that piece of garbage. No, it sounds, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I played with him. So yeah, I got some, I got the dirt, man. I've been waiting to unveil this. I almost oh, texted hilarious. you. I was like, I was with your boy, but then he told me that stat cast thing. Like, he made the stat cast joke. And I was like, okay, I got to save this. Cause you might've been on <laughs> guard if you had known that I hung with one of your boys yesterday. Oh, so, that's so funny. Yeah, uh, so you're a good dude. He, he vouched for you, but uh, he said that oh, that exit feel on those scorchers to third was something else. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to play third base when I was because they, they would just the thing is in college they would step in the bucket all the time and but, like you said you're busting them in so much that exactly they're, they the bucket, just, they're coming around they and they are yep. just getting at the was he the third baseman in no he said he was a pitcher no he, so yeah he was a pitcher with who, me yeah who was the, who was the third baseman that uh, that had to feel that the hot corner indeed when Nick Pollock was on the bus oh man uh, I think Tony Desler was there a couple times I oh this is this is killing me right now I'm so sorry guys I have. I've completely forgotten about, about these years. He's an insignificant peon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, uh, that was a really fun team. I really love all those guys. Yeah, so that that's it. That not not too bad. Not too bad. I just wanted you to get a scouting report on yourself and then bring up that, <laughs> that stat cast thing there to end it. Oh, that but was that awesome. was fun. It was nice hearing about a young Nick Pollock there on the uh on the mound at Brandeis University. Is it Brandeis University or University? It is Brandeis University. There you go. There you go. Well, Nick, this is definitely our most spirited fireside chat <laughs> i and, love uh, explore. you know i guarantee that some people will take this the wrong way think that we're, I, 
that's something that bothers me kind of like in the culture of today. And I, I'm sorry to get on the soapbox and, and preach or whatever, but like the idea that you can never argue with your friend as if it's something personal. Um, you know, we can, we, we got pretty heated there. That was fun. That's fun That's to me. Like it's not personal. I don't dislike anything about you. I want to just talk. I want to. I want to battle about these rankings here. I don't know why it always ends up becoming like a personal thing, and then people are saying, you know, I, I don't know. I just I, I run into that a lot. Obviously, I'm an argumentative type, as you can tell from this episode <laughs> that you just listened to. But I love to argue baseball stuff. It's so fun because we do right. see the game in different ways, uh, all of us. And, it, and it's a lot of fun to argue. And obviously, sometimes you are arguing fact versus opinion. And that po- in that case, we're going to be like, well, here's the numbers. I'm sorry, you're just wrong. But a lot of times it's more of the nuanced stuff of like, this is what I saw. This is what you saw, which is what these debates were. We right. had numbers stuff, but none of those were mic drop numbers. We, I, I can't drop a Sierra on you and say, well, I win. And you're not saying a K minus BB rate is, is a clincher for you. It's like, well, here's what I see. Here's what I see coming. And so I like that that can get fiery and, and fun. And it's like, that was the show. Like that's that's because my buddy Paul, who we went with, he and I, we would, I mean, we've been best friends for years, just go toe to toe on things, and people be like, "What? You guys are mad at each other?" No, we're not. It is sports. I've not said word one about him as a person or anything like that. It's sports, and I love that. And I love that you seemed receptive to it. So I don't know if that was like too heated for you or whatever, but you no, seemed man, that was to great. like it. And for anyone that did take it wrong and thinks that we're like beefing. No, and I think I hope people like it because I think there's going to be more on the show because we do see some players vastly differently. Yeah, well, the, it wouldn't be fun with fantasy baseball if we don't have things to discuss. That's where the heart is. Exactly. And then, then the fun comes when we have differing opinions, and let's get to the bottom of that. If we just had a list, here. top to one to top one to three hundred, we knew how everyone was going to perform. Why would we play the game? Right, but we don't call it a fireside chat. Because we hate each other. We call it a fireside chat because we're having a good time. You're damn right. You're damn right. Now, this was a fiery <laughs> side chat this week. Oh, but, man. Yes, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. So I think the, the kind of bottom line there is uh, probably a little bit closer on Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm factoring in maybe the, the health concern a little bit more. And I will say that, not to bring it up again, but that may, might be a little bit more of an analog for the Ross thing that I can learn on then because – and we can learn on each of the guys, right? You were factoring in Ross's issues – well, no, with Eduardo, I need to pull down a little That's bit with the health. And, yeah, exactly. and I need to pull Tyson and say, like, okay, he does have these health issues, so we do have to concern that. Uh, Michaelis, Michaelis, I think we're really pretty close, to be honest. Yeah, I, I don't think we came yeah. too far apart there. Arietta, we did have sharp disagreement. That's going to be a fun one to follow. Reynaldo Lopez, I was hasty because I'm angry with him. Let's be real. <laughs> but I still – I couldn't quite get him all the way up to the top 60, but you also said he's coming down. So yeah, right. he did kind of find some common ground there. Skaggs, we did disagree on. I'm going to definitely be interested to follow that one because this is not a plant-my-flag guy, and I can guarantee you that if he does go on to do well – uh, first off, I'm never going to try to be like, yo, remember when you said this? Ha, in your face, gotcha. Well, that's – yeah, of course. We're but, all going to have both sides of that. But even if he did go off, it's not going to be one where I'm like, I told you because I don't – I also don't see like all these changes. I just see like a solid pitcher just you know, kind of moving along. And I really do like that infield defense. That is one thing I will say on that 51% ground ball. Junior Guerra, we're keeping an eye on the splitter. I definitely need to bring him down a little bit. And then Tyson Ross, you heard that. And then Jordan Lyles were saying – Go ahead and go get them, but keep your expectations light. That's one thing, too. It's like 
with the way you have to kind of go and, and pick up guys and then ask questions later, a lot of times I'm like, yeah, go ahead and take a shot, but I don't have high hopes, right? It's almost like you have a probability meter in your head and right. it's like, pick this guy up. I think there's like a 30% chance he's going to be great. Pick up Jordan Lyles. It's like an 8% sort of thing. Well, you know, right, that's, that's a huge thing. And I try and think about, should I like articulate that specifically that percentage? And I don't know that we could, cause like it doesn't really have more. Right. But I think even just saying it in passing with certain ones like that to acknowledge to people, because they're going to say like, well, you guys didn't really like him, but you said, pick him up. And it's like, well, yeah, First off, because we're not seers, we could also we could definitely be wrong, but also because like there's enough there to to take a shot and see what's what. And pitching's so damn volatile that if you're if you're spot starting anyway, you you're taking on an inherent risk, like a, a certain amount of inherent risk anyway. Anyway, I'm rambling, but uh, this was yep. a fun one. I'm excited about uh, this one. I'll be here to see yeah. what people think, uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Are you are you free to go? Any... Oh, of course. Are you kidding me? Stop right. doing this. No way. All right. Well. Nick, great show. I'll talk to you later. Take care. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.